What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a Deep League-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and it's good to be back with you all. I'm joined here once again, as I always am, by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how's it going this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I, I'm good because I don't have COVID anymore. That's good. That is good. That was, uh, that was, that was yeah. Miserable. I would not, I would not recommend that to anybody. Absolutely not. I did, yeah. did not I did not have a fun week. But uh we're we're good now. I can I can say several words in a row now without wanting to cough organs out of my body. Sounding the, like just, absolute garbage as well, which is good. Wait, are you saying I currently sound like absolute garbage or I did previously? You sound less like garbage than you did last less, week. Less great. Yes. That's that's all I can good. ever hope for. Yes. Uh no, but I'm glad that you're feeling better and I'm glad that we can get back to this. Yeah, we missed last week because Schwibzy was under the weather. But luckily, he is very much on the mend. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I like to think that one of one of my good qualities as a podcaster is my voice. And uh, my wife, when I had COVID at one point, was just like, babe, do you think you could just talk to me? Because honestly, I think your voice is a bit sexier now that you have Ooh. like that that COVID rasp to it. And I was like, great. Yeah, so- I love the sound of that death rattle in your chest. That sounds wonderful. Love, love the buckets and buckets of phlegm inside you right now. Can you mm. please talk to me? I love when you're full of phlegm. Mm. Honestly, shocking that one person can produce so much phlegm. Just a gross disease. Gross, gross virus. Yuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, gosh, I Hi, forgot. friends. I've, I've, for, I've straight up forgotten how to do this because we've been off for a week. It's so bad. Uh I guess we should probably do what the socials up top. Sure. Let's do that. Uh, so yeah, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow our shared podcast account. That's in the deep PL. You can also follow us individually. You can follow Schwebzy at S H W E B S I. Uh, that is his handle. And then bunt singles for myself. Uh, and with that, let's talk about some early season trends. Schwebzy, you kind of wrote up a little bit of, I mean, what we've been seeing so far in terms of like mostly counting stats you're talking about like home runs and stolen bases here what have we seen yeah so i just the reason i wanted to put this all out there is because i want people to not panic like it's very early obviously and offense tends to warm up a bit as the weather does but we're seeing like 0.9 home runs per game right now compared to 1.2 last season we've only seen that home run per game number dip under 1 a handful of times since 1994, basically the steroid era. So if it were to stay that low, we're looking at like, I mean, a recent history anyway, a historically low home run season. It's definitely something we're going to monitor as the year goes by. But we have not seen a corresponding uptick in stolen bases. Teams do not seem to be trying to manufacture more runs with small ball. So those, those numbers are staying pretty steady. I thought I was seeing more like, stolen base notifications to my phone because i get uh, a twitter notification every time someone steals a bag Mm -hmm. thought i was seeing more turns out not the case i'm just very excited to be getting those notifications at all with the new baseball season so you're getting lots of those from jorge mateo which i know you're very very excited about also yancey is very excited about uh yes yeah no that is fantastic i am once again i feel like i have underdrafted steals like I do every single year, even though like in some things, like I have Starling Marte, I think in TGFBI, which was like my supposed to be like my, okay, I'm good. I'm done for a while at least. Uh, and he's been caught so, twice already, which is weird for him. Yeah. I mean, he's getting older. 
I mean, it's still early and it's a small sample size type thing, which is like everything we're going to be talking about this early in the season. Obviously, it comes with a small sample size warning, but uh, seeing him get caught twice is not encouraging, to say the yeah. least. So I think he's going to be fine. He looks plenty spry. But uh, so league-wide runs per game are like lower than we've seen in the past seven seasons. Uh, we're down half a run from last season. And again, that could change as the weather warms up. Yep. But like the the league-wide OPS, if it were to stay this low, it would be the lowest league OPS since 1972. Yeah. Not great. That's bad. And again, the reason that I wanted to bring this up is because you're probably looking at your team. Like, for example, I'm looking at my NL only team and I'm seeing all of these 200 batting averages like, you know, from like, I don't know, Ozzy Albies. Muncie's, Muncie was hitting like 128 coming into today before he went off. Like lots and lots of really low batting averages. It's league wide. Yeah. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Don't do anything drastic. Uh, in the pitcher list discord today, someone mentioned that someone in their league dropped Kyle Tucker. Don't do that. What? I, f- I feel like I shouldn't need to say that, but don't, don't do that. Yeah. Okay. I, w- I, I want to join that league. <laughs> right. That seems but, foolish. Okay. Anyways, yeah, but everyone's dealing with this. Every uh, offense is down league wide at the moment. So don't panic when your hitters aren't doing what you thought they might, because it's kind of everywhere. You know, obviously, still make moves around the periphery. You know, don't don't be completely frozen, but you know, don't don't panic. Yeah, I think uh, at this point, it's like more about less less about reacting to like poor performance and more about reacting to increased opportunity or decreased opportunity. That's more of what it is right now. Like if people are losing or gaining reps, then you should be making moves according to that, as opposed to like overreacting early on. Yeah, like if you're going to cut someone that you drafted in the first, I don't know, like 10 rounds, you you should have a really good reason. Yes, and, 100%. Uh, uh, you know, a hundred uh, like a 150 batting average through like 40 plate appearances is not a very good reason. No. Yeah, that should normalize with timing. Because what a league-wide batting average right now is at like 230. It's, it's like low. That. It's, it's not I, good. I know that. Um, I think it's right around 230. It might even be like 229. Uh, um, I, I do have that pulled up here. Let's see. What do we got? It's 231. 231. Okay. Yeah. So it's not, which good. again is, is incredibly low. Uh, I'm, I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling to find a season when it has ever been that low before. I think it would be the lowest ever. Oh God. Yeah. Not great. So I would, I mean, I'm wondering how much of that has to do with, uh, shortened spring training. The abbreviated spring training weather, I think, as weather improves, like you said, things might get a little bit be- a little bit better. Um, there's a lot of things that we can kind of infer would be the reason for all this. Uh, I know that there's some people, at least from what I've seen on Twitter, there's some folks that think that there might be more stuff going on with the baseballs already. There's already some inclinations in that direction, but... Uh, I saw Alex Chase, uh, Alexander Chase and Alex Chamberlain talking about that today. And I, I, it, I think Alex Chamberlain said something about it being a high impact, high drag baseball. So we're seeing high exit velos, but low distances. Mm. I feel like but I, there's been a couple times so far this year that I feel like I've seen players hit the ball and then thinking that they got all of it like specifically i think there was one that elvis andrus hit 
in a game like two days ago, a day or two ago, um, where he looked like he was very confidently about to take a home run trot and ended up, I mean, it was, I think in front of the warning track is where it landed. Are we sure that's not just Elvis Andrews? Easy. All right. <laughs> but like, I mean, that's the thing is like, we, I think we saw reactions like that last year too, where people were absolutely barreling up the ball and it was just falling short. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, so on the flip side of things from the pitching perspective, like as we said, runs per game are down. So ERAs yep. are down. I would have expected offense to go up with the addition of the universal DH. No more pitchers hitting. So in theory, yep. there's you know more competent hitters in the lineup every day than there's ever been before. But league-wide pitching is strong at the moment. In, uh, but the strikeout and walk numbers league-wide haven't really changed. They're pretty normal by modern standards. The weird thing is that there's the decrease in home runs, yep, which could be the ball. Uh, but we're also seeing the lowest league-wide BABIP since the early '80s. I don't. I am not smart enough to to draw any like solid inferences from that. But it's strange. I'll, I'll say. So I I don't know. I don't know if you can look at like a league's BABIP like you can look at a hitter's BABIP and go that'll normalize. I don't know. I don't know. I think we still need some time probably I would assume like again like sample size is incredibly small at this point I think like for players yeah but for the league well I think so I mean uh not uh, it's it's hard to say I think that for the league again we're in the early months of the year it is cold in some places as well which does not help either um I I think that there's a chance that things will get better as the weather warms up in terms of like offensive output, but I don't know. There's so there's so many different things that could be affecting this. There's so many variables involved that it's hard to infer exactly which one is causing it or if it's just a combination of everything. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's a lot of words to just say. Don't panic. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Take 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 a zoomed out look of things, see what's going on around the league, and understand that it's not just you. Yeah, it's not just you. It is also me in TGFBI with like a team that has a two sixteen <laughs> average somehow. Um, yeah, I looked at that and then I realized that the league average was two thirty one. I was like, okay, I feel much less bad at this point. But um, well, Jordan, in theory, you're trying to only draft the good players in the league, so your your two sixteen average is still pretty rough. <laughs> you can't see it but i'm staring directly into shrubsy's soul trying to sear a hole through him <sighs> good to be back folks good, <sighs> to, be good back. to be back all right uh so let's get back to our usual thing that we do for regular season episodes because i mean this is only our second time doing it at all this year and our first time with more than like two days worth of games to talk about uh yeah, let's I do mean- some deep dives yeah, this is probably the first episode where we're actually going into like what will be our format for the next six months. Yeah, exactly. Got to get back into it. All right, uh, let's start it off with you, Schwebs. You want to talk about Alec Bohm? Yes. Now, uh, I, I'm a well-established Philly hater, so I don't love talking about Alec Bohm, but I would call him one of the more interesting early season small sample size cases because there's like a wild combination of both encouraging developments but also counter arguments to those encouraging developments. 
let's start with like the most exciting thing on his player page right now, which I think is his hundredth percentile strikeout rate. I uh, I asked Jordan and we we were in a group chat with uh, the two of us and our friend Yancey Eaton, and I asked them both, how many strikeouts do you think Alec Bohm has in 11 games? And they guessed like 13, 14, something like that. Folks, he has one strikeout so far this year. One single strikeout. He is 100th percentile for the league in strikeout rate right now. And that is, like, weird. Um, I it, It's awesome. I, I don't want to put too much stock in it because it's such a weird outlier. But almost nothing has changed in his profile. Like, his zone contact rates, his swing rates, his whiff rates... Almost all of the levers that go into plate discipline look close to the same. The one stark difference is that he's cut his first pitch swing percentage in half, which has to be like a game plan thing. And I'm sure that's helping him. But other than that, all of the inputs are like remarkably similar to last year. I honestly, I think I'm more impressed by the the good walk percentage than the great strikeout percentage. So, like, what does this mean for his plate discipline going forward? I mean, even with the huge red flashing sign that says small sample size warning, last year, Bohm never went more than three games without striking out. And then when he then he went and started this year with a nine-game streak without any strikeouts. Now, that includes some pinch hit games, so it's only like 20 or so plate appearances, but it's really a nice way to start off the year. I think it's highly likely that his, I mean, it's obviously his current 3.4% strikeout rate is going to creep or jump back up towards 20% as the year goes on. His uh, current career rate is like something like 23%. Mm-hmm. But I really, I feel like this can only be seen as a positive. Yeah, I mean, now, oh, sorry. I was going to say, I just saw this. Uh, he did strike out for the second time this season today. Oh, uh, so never mind. Cancel the section. <laughs> cancel it forget about it (laughs) he's washed he's done so i on the on the same team uh this this section is excuse me this section is also going to double as me at least temporarily announcing that i'm off the bryson stott train he's he's kind of dead to me at the moment because wow has he been bad um i watched the mets philly series from earlier this month and came away thinking that Stott was like a keeper, a real good one. And then Stott has literally not gotten a hit since that series ended. So, mm. I mean, those early season swings are are huge. In that series, uh, Alec Bohm did his usual Alec Bohm things, which means he got a handful of hits and then he made three errors in one game. <laughs> like watching that, I thought this is it. Like he's done. There's no way he can have a game this miserable. And literally say on the field, I hate it here in Philly. Well, that, I, that, 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 isn't exactly, <laughs> that isn't exactly what he said. We're not allowed to say on the podcast what he said, but he did say a naughty word. I, I hecking hate it here. Yes, um, there you go. And shockingly, he, he copped to what he said and was then embraced by the Philly fans, which is so Philly. It is the most unsurprising development of that story. But since that time, Bohm has not stopped hitting. Stott has completely stopped hitting. And one of the things that was going in Stott's favor heading into the year, 
was his reputation as a strong defender, a strong versatile defender, but he's got a pretty miserable OAA now, right now, outs above average, so Stott is not making up for his bat in the field. I'm I'm realizing that my voice is getting like worse and worse the further I go in, and I'm so sorry. We've got some COVID remnants here. Oh no, it's you're just it's you're feeling sick because you're talking about a Philly in a, in a nice manner. That's the, that's what's happening right now. That's, that's mostly it. what it that's is. That's it. That's, that's, def- that's definitely it. Um, but yeah, I I think I'm burying the lead a little bit here because coming into the season, the popular thought regarding Bohm was that all he needed to do was hit the ball in the air. He has the hit tool. He has the power. He simply needs to elevate. And it, that, like, that's accurate. That's true. That that would have been a, a huge boon to his batted ball profile. So has that happened? Kind of. Like, uh, he's currently got a barrel rate twice that of last year. His launch angle is up compared to last year. But now we have to return to the fact that this is a 24 batted ball sample size and we really need a bigger sample size to make any sort of real judgments about his, you know, overall career trend and season trend. It's definitely encouraging, though. Yeah. I am, I like, I took the gamble on Bowman a couple leagues. Like, I, I do have him in TGFBI. And I am higher on him now than I was at the start of the year, 100%. I like the direction he's going. He's currently rostered in less than 20% of leagues. So if he's out there, I think it's a very, very strong gamble to make. Yeah, I can dig this. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like, oh, actually, you just brought up a really good point, by the way. So all the people that we're going to be talking about, like we did last year as well, uh, it's kind of going to be our regular season uh, format, is that we're always going to be talking about players that are, according to Fantasy Pros, rostered in 20% or less of ESPN and Yahoo leagues on average. So that's kind of the pool of players that we're working with here. So um, Bohm currently in that category. I mean, what was Bohm? During draft season last year, what was his? I mean, he was universally rostered, wasn't he? Oh yeah, because he had a monstrous, <clears throat> a monstrous twenty twenty, and was right around where Cabrian Hayes was, I think, in like the the mid to mid to low hundreds. Yep, like one twenty five. Yeah, that sounds about right. Man, yeah, uh, things have changed, but I mean, get him again, uh, kind of like a post type. Uh, get him back on the upswing here. Kind of seems like the move. Um. Yeah. Uh, uh, unrelated to our sub 20%, I'm so hyped at what I'm seeing from Cabrian Hayes already since we mentioned him. Oh, I have a. Well, let's talk about the card that I pulled and see if you want that or not. I don't know if you're interested Ooh, in that yeah. or not. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, oh, speaking of pirates, this is a very good segue, actually. Uh, my Yar. first deep dive of the uh, 2021 or 2022 season. Oh, my God. I don't know what year it is. What is year a, is it? I don't know. Uh, it's Daniel Vogelbach. Uh, so I'm kind of being a homer this episode twice in a certain sense because Vogie was part of the Brewers last year. He's now in the Pirates. Um, I'm Bofa. Kind of, he is a Bofa. Uh, I'm sad that I didn't really actually have the opportunity to talk about Vogie last year when he was a Brewer, but it took him going to the weakest team in the NL Central to actually get like consistent playing time and not just that i think daniel vogelbach is probably the most surprising consistent leadoff hitter that i can think of in recent memory because like when you think of like a prototypical leadoff hitter it is not a dude that is literally shaped like the barrel man uh who's got like a 20 speed tool 
leading off. That's that that is not your prototypical leadoff hitter, and he is kind of shirking off all of the standard concept or uh, perceptions of what that uh, position would be. Uh, this is the ideal male form. You might not like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is what peak performance looks like. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I, I absolutely would not have banked on Vogi becoming a leadoff hitter, and I kind of love it. Um, the upside's a little bit limited in terms of fantasy because he is basically just like first base and DH eligible. That's going to kind of harm you because there's a lot of really good first basemen out there that you can roster in fantasy leagues. So you're probably going to need like a corner infield spot, maybe have it be like an NL only league. But what I've seen from his early success is pretty encouraging. So again, like everything else that we're going to talk about in this episode, small sample size warning, so on and so forth. Uh, so far this season, he has the lowest swinging strike rate of his career at 4.5%. He has the highest contact rate of his career at 84.6%. Uh, and the thing that I really want to key in on is that his swing rate is the lowest of his career. Uh, so what that tells me is that he's being really, really selective with the pitches that he takes cuts at at the plate. And I think it's reflected in the fact that he has the highest called strike rate of his career at 31.3%. So he's watching a lot of pitches go by and waiting for the ones that he actually wants to hit, which is, it's good. He's patient to a, to a certain point. Um, looking at the exit velos and what sort of pitches he's getting hits on, uh, Vogie has been pretty much just hunting fastballs, which I think is kind of what he's done for most of his career. He's just doing it much, much better at this point. Um, only four of his hits have come on non-fastballs. I think they're all off of curveballs if I remember right. And then three of those were on pretty soft contact of like less than 80 miles per hour. Um, two of them were like fly balls. And another one was like a 54 mile per hour dribbler that he hit to second base that he somehow legged out. I don't know how that happened. Um, I think that with Vogi, he could get exposed eventually. Uh, and people just start throwing him a bunch of sliders and the honeymoon phase could come to an end. But right now, this feels like a guy who is really taking advantage of the NLDH situation uh, and squeezing literally as much as he can out of his specific skill set. Uh, he's not, like I said, 20-grade uh, speed. He's not a burner, and the Pirates are not an offensive powerhouse, so the runs are going to be slightly limited, and the RBIs are going to be depressed because he's not going to have a whole lot of people getting on base before he comes up to hit. Um, but the runs that he does get will come and then he will still have a decent average and have it be a net positive, especially when league average is currently 230 or 231. Um, so for me, I think mostly with Vogie, I would target him in like 12 team NL only leagues or like 15 team leagues with a corner infield or utility spot that can hold him. You know, I was looking through Vogelbox player page while you were talking about him. Yeah. And the strangest thing to me here he's got a so uh, st- uh baseball savant has a stat they track called meatball swing percentage yes and looking at vogelbach you would think that the man loves a meatball but he has a 40 percent meatball swing percentage that is the lowest i've ever seen uh just yep. eyeballing it and i would say that that means he's being passive to a fault like the the old school leadoff man ideal means you look at a lot of pitches. You see, you watch a lot of pitches go by, which is uh, in theory beneficial for your team. Yeah, but oh, like league average for meatball swing percentage is seventy six. 
So he is swinging at half as many meatballs as the rest of the league. That is shockingly low. And I wonder if that means there's room for improvement here. If he would just swing at the balls that are like directly down the middle. Yeah, maybe. Um, gosh, I gotta look at this here now. Um, I'm trying to figure out what zones he is swinging at pitches in most. That's what mm. I want to figure out. Um, gosh, how do I figure this out? Anyways, in play no outs. That's how that goes. It's uh, it, it's mostly inside. He's he's hunting pitches inside is what it looks like. He's trying to turn on stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Let's see if I can find this. Yeah, it's literally. It, I mean. Most of the pitches that he's swinging and hitting are belt high. Like in zones mm-hmm. four, five, and six, it's all just belt high stuff for the most part. Then he had a homer off of Corbin Burns on a sinker. 104.5 off the bat. I do actually remember that very vividly because that would be what? At the bottom of the zone? Low yeah. middle? Well, he golfed it out. Bo- Bofa on current brewer damage is uh, is painful for you, I, I imagine. It hurts a little bit. I mean, I'm glad to see Bogey have success. And, like, this is, again, like, the last place that I expected him to be hitting at in anyone's lineup is first. Um, it's so cool, though. It is pretty great. Uh, God, I love it. All right. Uh, all right. Before we hop into Schwebzy's next deep dive, let's take a quick break and listen to this ad from our sponsor. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, Schwebsy, we're back. Let's talk about your next deep dive. We're talking about a lot of brewers slash former brewers on this episode, I just realized. So I'm going to let you take it away with our only pitcher that we're going to deep dive into, Eric Lauer. Yeah, not intentional, I swear, but I'm doing the incredibly predictable thing here and talking about popular Nick Pollock sleeper and another brewers pitcher, Eric Lauer. Lauer's coming off a really nice start against the Pirates, where he went six innings, allowed one run with a one whip, and struck out five. Now, you might be thinking that since that was against the Pirates, that that wasn't a very impressive start. But believe it or not, the Pirates have been mild, a mildly te- treacherous stream this year. They're right behind the Blue Jays, Braves, and Red Sox in runs scored per game. And that's a combination of those teams underperforming and the Pirates overperforming. But they've been a perfectly cromulent offense this year. They're right around league average in WRC+. So, yeah, a good, good start by Lauer against the Pirates. This year, and then last year, Lauer had a monstrous second half. If you were paying attention, he had a 15 start stretch from the middle of June through the end of September, where he put up a 2.41 ERA across 15 starts before getting thrashed by the Dodgers in his last start of the season. He had one of those years where you glance at the line and then you see like the, the, the hotel, the Holy Trinity of Luck stats 
the his BABIP home run rate and left on base percentage, you would look at all of those from last year and just assume that he had a lucky year. However, it's not just last year anymore. And this year, we're seeing some really interesting developments in his repertoire. First of all, his pitch usage. He's throwing his four-seamer less. I almost always love that. I, I love seeing that in breakout candidates, especially when the four-seamer was the pitch that historically the pitcher used to get hurt on, which is, is the case here. Now, this is continuing a five-year trend of decreasing four-seamer usage for Lauer, and the beneficiaries this year have been his curveball and his slider, both pitches which got great results last year. Really, like, his his bread and butter is kind of his cutter. Like, that, I think that's the pitch that we want to see more of. Yep. But he's getting good, like, he's historically gotten good results on his breakers, even if they're not particularly impressive pitches. So far this year, the curveball, which has seen increased usage, has been touched up. He's given up a few dingers on it already. But overall, I think this is an encouraging development. And on top of the pitch usage change, we've got some velo jumps. He has seen at least an extra tick of velo on both his fastball and his cutter. We'd love to see that, especially on his four-seamer, where he's getting close to that threshold where there's like a really, really clear line of like, you know, fastballs above 94 are better than fastballs below 94. Yes. He's yeah, throwing he... a good number of his, of his heaters above that line now. So, uh, you know, as a Brewers fan, Jordan. Yes. Have you, wa- have you watched much of Lauer this year? Yes, and I liked what I've seen. Um, so when we first came into the season, my biggest question was, can he maintain that velo jump that he saw near the end of last year? Because he had seen some increased velo at the end of last year as well. Because like, he was throwing like 91-ish, and then or like 92 he would touch up. And then he was throwing like 93, 93 and a half at the end of last year. And now seeing him hit like 94 right around there pretty consistently is super duper encouraging, uh, makes the rest of his repertoire play up. Um, and I think that he's a pretty, he's like the, I mean, the Brewers pitching staff, even with some rough starts is still one of the best, if not in my opinion, the best in the league. Uh, it'd be nice if they actually had some offense that could (laughs) help them out every (laughs) once in a while. But, um, I do think that Lauer is very clearly like the fourth best pitcher on that staff. Um, I don't think he's above Ashby. Yes, I mean, Ashby doesn't have really a consistent role yet. I think that once Ashby settles into like that SP5 role, probably by the end of the year, because I don't think that, personally, I just don't think that Adrian Hauser is long for this world. <laughs> um, <laughs> Phrase, phrasing, man, phrasing. <laughs> long for this uh, baseball world. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I, I love Lauer and I love the fact that they've been able to develop him and make him into like, I mean, just, I mean, the trade that brought Lauer to Milwaukee, the, the Trent Grisham trade, I think it's pretty clear at this point that the Brewers have won that trade personally. Yeah. If Grisham never figures it out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now I don't consider this like, I, I, I think he's a good ad. Yes. I don't necessarily think he's a good stream for his next start, though, because his next start is against Philly, who have a pretty strong offense full of DHs. Yes. They have many, many, many people who can mash very hard. And yeah, that's uh, dangerous. It's in Citizens Bank. That's a hitter's park, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, big yeah. One. Um, so maybe not the best uh, start to have him go in there, but just keep an eye on it. I mean, he's going to get. I mean, in the NL Central, you're going to get a decent amount of like weak matchups. So there's going to be plenty of times where you can start Lauer really safely throughout the year. So Jordan, you have your own brewer to talk about now. I do. Shocking that I would talk about a Milwaukee <laughs> Brewer, but I mean, to be fair, this is someone that probably should be rostered on more teams at this point, and that's Rowdy Tellez. Um, yes. Sticking with my theme of absolute beefcakes, uh, Rowdy, he's been great to start the season. He's been fantastic. Uh, he's seeing regular playing time at first base and providing some really great pop in the middle of the Brewers lineup. He's been hitting fourth or fifth pretty much every game that he started, and when you are fortunate enough to have even a reasonable Christian Yelich hitting right in front of you in the order. He's going to get on base a ton, so that way you can nab some RBIs. So, yeah, even though it's not 2018-2019 Yelich, this dude still gets on base at an absolute elite rate. So Rowdy should get those RBIs with regularity as long as he is playing. Um, I don't think the plate discipline numbers have really changed much from what I could tell, Um, and I don't think there's really anything there to be found in terms of why he's seeing more success. The thing that you really have to look at, though, with Rowdy is that his batted ball profile shows that he's pulling the ball like 10% more than he has previously, and he's putting it in the air a whole bunch more, too. So he's trying to optimize those launch angles, pull the ball a ton, and hit taters, essentially, at this point. Like, that's what we want from Rowdy. We want big ball to, or big boy to hit ball far. <laughs> we want big ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love when I mess stuff up, and it just lines up so perfectly like that. Um but yeah, he's just trying to optimize the excellent exit velos that he's been putting up for his entire career. Um, so far, he's got a barrel rate of 16.7%. I think that's the best barrel rate by like a pretty high margin that he's put up in his career. Um, again, small sample size warning, naturally. Um, but beyond the ideal spot in the lineup, which obviously is fantastic, and the optimization of his batted ball profile, Rowdy has played really, really awesome defense at first, which means that the combination of that plus the strong side platoon bat, he's not going to be challenged much by the other alternatives that they have for first base, most notably Keston Hira. Um, I think that was probably the biggest fear for a lot of people in terms of if you did roster Rowdy Telez is like Keston Hira had a really solid spring training and there was some doubt of whether Rowdy was going to be able to hang on to that role as much as he has, but he's been great so far this year. Um, I do not have enough shares of Rowdy, so I put out the feelers in a few leagues and I'm trying to trade for him actually. Um, but at his current pace, he's borderline rosterable in 10 or sorry, in 12 team leagues, just in general, I feel like with util spots. Hey, uh, you know who has Rowdy Tellez in the, uh, shut up. League that <laughs> shut up. I know I didn't put out the feelers cause I know you won't trade him to me. <laughs> I know. Okay. Also, also a big fan of Rowdy Tellez right here. Yes, we we very notably love Rowdy on this podcast, and for good reason. He's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I have on Rowdy. I mean, it's a deep dive to a certain extent, but yeah, the biggest thing is just like he's optimizing his launch angle. He's pulling the ball a whole bunch more and putting it in the air. And again, he's been putting up like exit velos north of one fourteen for the past few years now. Yep. So like, I mean, if you, if you if you if you have that sort of profile, you're probably going to hit a lot of bombs. Yeah, when I talked about Rowdy during the offseason, I said that I had kind of mentally readjusted my expectations 
of, of him to be more of a 25 home run guy than like the potential for more just because of his batted ball profile. Yeah. But with that better launch angle, better pull rate, like I may have to readjust again. I mean, at this point, because I think he right now he is leading the Brewers in home runs, if I'm not mistaken. But to look to be sure. I think you're right. It sounds right. Um, team batting stats. Nope, that's not what I want. Um, let's see here. Oh, goodness. Roster resource. That's what I want to look at. Let's see. Where, where are we at? Where are we at? Um, I, would like, I would like stats, please. That is, stats. Uh, that is accurate because no one else on the team has two. That is correct. Yes, he has three. Everyone else has one. <laughs> that has hit a home run so far this year. So, yeah. Um, I think my pick before the season started for leading the Brewers in home runs was Hunter Renfro, which he's been off to a pretty slow start. Um, it might be Rowdy now. I think Rowdy ends up finishing the year as the leader in home runs for the Brewers, which I'm pretty uh, excited I mean, about. I would be surprised exactly zero if that were to happen. Can we talk about the fact that Rowdy was a 30th round pick, 895 overall by Toronto? Remember when the draft was that long? Oh my god, that's insane. I mean, in in terms of players that were picked in the thirtieth round, how many of them do you think have an like a career trajectory like Rowdy has? It's not many. Like that percentage I mean, has to be so low. I'm just really glad that that trade happened. I'm glad that the Brewers made that savvy move because yes. he was just going to languish behind Vlad forever. David Stearns stays goaded. He's the best. I'm going to be very sad when he leaves for the Mets. Can't wait. Uh, I mean, my loss is your gain, per usual. Um, At least he stays in the in the deep family. That's true. Very incestuous, but true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's do some honorable mentions here and talk about some folks very briefly that we didn't deep dive on. Um, oh, God. This is, this is the rare episode where we are not going long. I know it's kind of great, actually. I kind of like this. This is this is this a new us? Are we new? Are we are, Maybe. are, are we brand new? Is this our new brand? <laughs> this this might just be a my my ravaged throat translating into a shortened runtime. It could be fair. It could be <laughs> fair. Um, all right. So let's see here. Taylor Ward. Um, he's been hitting like second or third in the heart of a very formidable lineup, and is right. I think the past few games he's been hitting second, which. When Trout is healthy, he's going to be hitting between Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, so the counting stats are probably going to be there. As long as he can keep up his current pace, he's going to be probably one of the stupid strongest values that you can get. And yeah. he's going to—he's, I mean, he's going to be twelve-team rosterable as an outfielder, I think. Yeah, since he came off the IL, he has hit fourth, third, second, 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 and fourth. Yeah, and we know the studs that are hitting around him. He came off the IL, immediately had a combo meal. And love to see it. He's putting up nice counting stats so far. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. I mean, Taylor Ward. Is he really not rostered in more than 20% of leagues? As of uh, two days ago, when I put this list together, we should look at that. I kind of want to, I feel like with updated numbers, he's probably rostered more, but. Regardless, he's probably still too low. Let me look. Ward. Uh, not even the, he, when I search Ward on this site, he is not even one of the first ones that comes up. No, he is still only rostered in 13% of Yahoo leagues and 4% of ESPN leagues. 
So uh, probably out there. I snagged him in both TGFBI and my AL only league. So uh, I am in. Oh, God. Yeah. You're going to. I mean, that AL only ad is going to pay massive dividends. That's going to be Fingers so crossed. Great. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Schwabs, do you want to take Danny Jansen? Because that's your boy. Yes. Uh, I put him on this list in spite of him being on the IL. Uh, this is kind of just letting you guys know how hot he was before he went on the IL. So if you're in a two-catcher league, he's must-roster. And if when he went on the IL, the the Danny Jansen owner in your league dropped him, you know, keep an eye out because whenever he's back, he's going to immediately become rosterable again because he started off really hot. <clears throat> he was one of my preseason picks as a top catcher. And, I mean, it's just an amazing lineup over there in Toronto and a good ballpark for home runs. So I, Danny Jansen is in as good of a spot as just about any catcher. Yeah. He's great. Can you hear Merlin right now? No. Just chewing away. So he has like this tiny little wooden home. Sorry. I'm talking about my chinchilla in the middle of us (laughs) doing honorable mentions. This, this chinchilla is currently eating his home. He's eating his own home right now. Like, it's literally broken. Like, the front door has broken off of his home because he's eating it. Um, It's incredibly loud. But anyways. um, All right, Danny Jansen. Uh, Actually, I'll let you take Andres Jimenez, too. I I thought... uh, Excuse me. Sorry. Andres Jimenez is like a a co-Jordan and and Shwebzy guy, I thought. To a certain extent. I feel like like you're higher on him now than I am. I was high on him at one point. Now, not so much. All right, I will I will take full custody of Andres Jimenez. Uh we all know about the speed. Yes. And we all know about his willingness to use it. He's one of those guys like kind of I was I was going to say Miles Straw, but Miles Straw has his really really great on-base skills, which Jimenez doesn't have, but Jimenez is in a similar uh archetype where if he's playing every day, he's worth rostering in fantasy just because of the steals that are going to happen. You know who you know who he's like? Jorge Mateo. Not great hitters, mm. but they run. True. Yes. Jimenez is playing most days now. Uh the I did did the Guardians have a little bit of a COVID thing? Did Owen Miller have a COVID mm. uh situation? I do not recall. I, I it think, feels like there's so many teams that it feels like it's just blending together at this point. So really? I don't really recall. But the point is, Andres Jimenez has been playing. He's yes. penciled in as the everyday second baseman. And there's no reason for him to not continue getting plate appearances with his strong defense. And uh, he should accumulate, you know, a good amount of steals for your fantasy team. Absolutely. Um, all right. Who else do we have here? Brad Miller. I'll talk about this one real briefly. Um but Brad Miller, he had a hot start to the season and has now fallen off a bit. But when he is starting, he is leading off for Texas, which is fine. It's just kind of unexciting otherwise. Um, I think he's only really worth rostering in pretty deep leagues where you have daily lineups. So that way you can slot him in when he is leading off. But other than that, I mean, he's he's pretty streaky and he always has been, right? Um, the hot start yes. was The hot start was encouraging, but... Yeah, right now, not super interested particularly, but it's worth monitoring so that way you can grab him and have him uh, in your lineup when he is hot. So, so Brad, you might look at Brad Miller's like last two weeks of stats and go, why are they talking about him? 
But in the last 11 games, the Rangers have faced six lefties, which is uncommon. And also in one of the five games they faced righties, Brad Miller missed one of those games. So he's only played or started in four of their last 11 games for various reasons. They're going to hit a string of righties soon. That's just, you know, more pitchers are righties than lefties. More Mm -hmm. starters are, are righties than lefties. So, you know, it will even out where Brad Miller gets, you know, more starts than not. In, uh, and he's still hitting in the leadoff spot every time he plays. So he's still worth rostering, Absolutely. I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm less interested in him, but still, depending on the depth of the league, I would be down for it. Um, but yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about Darren Ruff, someone that is near and dear to our hearts here at In the Deep, uh, like many San Francisco Giants. Um, someone that we were really hoping was going to see more opportunities this year, and with the NLDH, he has. Um, he is only hitting 152, which is not super encouraging, but even, or sorry, despite that, he's still almost getting on base at a near 300 clip, so he's still walking a whole bunch, which is valuable in your OBP leagues. I think the average is going to pick up at some point. It's only yeah. it's only a matter of time. Um don't lose the faith here. Yeah. He's still hitting the heck out of the ball when he gets a piece of it. He's walking a lot. Yep. Plate discipline is still there. He's played 13 out of 14 games and he is hitting he has hit second, third or fourth in every one of those games, mostly third. Yeah. He's he's definitely someone that you want to have on your teams, especially in your deeper leagues. Um yeah, I love Darren Ruff so much. God. I can't wait for him to start smacking the crap out of the ball and actually getting on base more too. Um Yes. Speaking of people that have prime lineup spots, Garrett Cooper. Uh, we talked about him, I think, on our last episode, right? Probably. Was I it, talk about Garrett Cooper all the time. It was either our last episode or two episodes ago. Everything that we said prior about Garrett Cooper still stands. He hits two or three pretty much every time he's in the starting lineup. And then any guy that's going to have a prime lineup spot like that is worth rostering in your leagues. Um, far yep. none. So uh, roster Garrett Cooper. Just do it. Okay. Um, uh, Shrebsy, do you want to talk about Josh Naylor at all? Uh, th- this is kind of like a, a post hype thing for me. Yeah. And it's, I, I feel like for me, this is almost more of an anti Bobby Bradley thing than it is pro Josh Naylor. Uh, okay. At, okay. At least to, to an extent, because, uh, anti Bobby Bradley is what's going to get Josh Naylor more opportunities. Uh, since coming off the IL, Naylor has played in five out of seven games, hitting six, uh, fifth, fifth through seventh in those, uh, in those five appearances. And he's off to a nice start. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, he has had two hits in the last four games that he's played in each yeah, of those games. Uh, Sorry, not two total hits, two hits in each of those games. Yeah. It's, and he is not striking out at all since he's come back. Yeah. Uh, he, he's got one of those, uh, Alec Bohm esque profiles where he's got the pure strength and he's got the bat to ball skills, but he doesn't elevate the ball enough. So that question is still there because he's pretty much just slapping singles around at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, if the opportunity is there, he'll have the chance to work out the launch angle thing and he's got the talent. If I remember right, he's got like some of the best raw power in the league, doesn't he? Yeah, he he has that prototypical light tower power when he gets a hold of one. Yeah. I'll still never forget when he just ravaged Garrett Cole and the Yankees in that one playoff series. That was the best. Loved it. Just an absolute thorn in their side. It was very, very he was, fun. He was just a force at the plate, and uh, it's it's a shame he can't harness that. Yeah. 
Um, let's see who else do we have here. Michael Chavis. Uh, Yancey wanted us to talk about him. We were hanging out with Yancey before the podcast. Um, hit a tank today. He did hit a tank today, which is pretty great. Um, he's on the Pirates. I just realized that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. Um, so we're talking about more. Than, I'm surprised because we had the preseason, or was it the pre? Well, so the pre-se- the the mailbag question that we got about the Pirates was in the vein of they have all these young guys, which young guys are going to get the opportunities. That's true. But now, but now here are the pirates, you know, running out Alfred and Gamble and Satsugo and Chavis and Roberto Perez, Josh Van Meter, all of these vets. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, not giving enough opportunities to guys like Diego Castillo. But I mean, that means there's value to be had here in theory from guys like Vogelbach and maybe Chavis. Yeah. So, what is Chavis's eligibility? Is he first? Is he also first base in uh, Util? I'm not sure off the top of my head, but while you're looking that up, yeah, let me find. Uh, out. I I am going to say that Chavis has historically always struck out thirty plus percent of the time. He's literally never had a season where he struck out less than thirty percent of the time. Right now, his strikeout rate is seven point one percent. Now, again, small sample size. That's only twenty eight plate appearances. But he's already got a couple of home runs and seven RBI in 28 plate appearances. That is really crazy production. Yeah. He's had a stretch before. Uh, I, I will call it a Bobby Dalbeck s stretch before where he hit 18 home runs in 90 games in 2019. You know, I wouldn't bet on that happening again. But, you know, there there is some juice in that bat. 100%, yeah. So he is 5% roster between ESPN and Yahoo. He is eligible at second base. In every league, and then he also has first base eligibility on Yahoo. Uh, so second base is nice. Second base is very nice. That is a uh, very commonly weak position and hard to fill position. So can dig that for sure with Chavis. Um, who else do we got here? Michael Lorenzen. Um, Shrubsy, do you want to talk about Lorenzen at all? I just realized I never finished writing the note on him <laughs> in our notes. Uh, Lorenzen is someone that I roster in a couple of leagues. I actually uh, lost out for him in tgfbi i was going for him there was a good article recently about lorenzen on Fangraphs. i am looking up who wrote it to uh to give them the credit jake mailhot wrote an article about him for Fangraphs recently about his kitchen sink repertoire and i think that was always why he was a little bit miscast as a reliever and i was waiting for him to get the opportunity to be a starter Mm-hmm. And now he's got the opportunity. He's throwing plenty of pitches when he's out there. I I like I like the repertoire. He's got like he's got five pitches that are all, you know, all have at least some kind of major league quality traits. And I feel like the package is there. Like the ingredients are there to be a quality starter. It's just a matter of, you know, mo- moving the right pieces into place. Yeah, I can dig this. Um the gosh what was it the first start against miami six innings seven strikeouts great outing didn't walk anyone second outing less good or wait no sorry he wait it was at houston that's a tough that's a tough assignment yeah exactly that i mean i think he he'll probably get exposed uh against like really really high quality offenses um but definitely someone that'd be down to stream um and because he has the Angels 
offense behind him, I think that there is a good chance that if he can get those five innings, that he can get you some wins too. Um, he shouldn't you be know, short on it, run support. It's funny. I I have to like rewire my my thinking when I see these teams as uh, streaming candidates because his next start is against the Cleveland Guardians and prior to the season I would have thought that that was the juiciest of juicy matchups yes and now but they currently lead the league in WRC plus that's so crazy is that a small sample size thing or has uh Quan Soto just really uh transformed that lineup this much I love early season weirdness man <laughs> this is so fun like it's, hey, it's hey, frustrating hey, hey. as heck but it's still incredibly fun Jordan, you know who's second in the league in WRC plus? Um, probably some garbage team. The New York Mets. Oh God, You're so you were right. Schwabzi is. Do you want to know how many times tonight, between podcast prep and now, just now in the podcast, Schwabzi has brought up this point that the Mets are second in WRC plus? <laughs> okay, it's only been two times, but still, that's too much. Um. But, oh gosh, who else do we have? Uh, I lost my place. Uh, oh no. Uh, next, I was going to talk about Eliezer Hernandez. Oh, thank you. He of the absolutely absurd unicorn slider and uh, not much else. He's been good so far. He yeah. he faced uh, he faced Philly and came out unscathed, which is, you know, no small feat. I was excited for him coming into the season, so the fact that he's yes. starting off strong is is you know that's all I need to see. I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much only interested in streaming him right now. He did get touched up by Los Angeles Angels. Um, again, the Angels' offense has been fantastic so far this season. Yes, um, they're third in WRC plus. They are. Yes, they're no Mets. But... Behind the Mets, yes. <laughs> God. Uh... <laughs> See, this is why this is why I miss the Mets being the Mets. <laughs> I'm so much less insufferable when the Mets are bad. Uh it's fine. I'm I'm you know, though I'm happy that you're happy. Truly. Dude, um I, I, I wouldn't even call myself happy. I'm simply just waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> and that I mean, that's that's a very blissful place to be in though. As a Mets fan, have you ever seen like. have you ever seen someone applaud nervously because that's me for the past <laughs> two weeks? Oh gosh! Yay! Yay! <laughs> I guess. Yay? Maybe. <laughs> um, God. I for your so, sake, I hope that the Mets continue to be good. I hope so. It's been yeah. fun so far. It has. Yes. Um. All right. Who else we got here? Oh, of course, we're going to talk about Aaron Ashby because duh. Um. Rough day. Rough day today. Gave up three runs in 2.1 innings. He struck out four, which is good, obviously, but everything else not the best. Um, I didn't, I'm going to go back because I do this with literally every single Ashby appearance. I'm going to go back and watch it and see what happened. Um, but basically with Ashby, the bullpen outings are typically, I feel like they're typically scheduled. Um, but I don't really know when they are a lot of the time. So unless you know that he's going to be making a start and it's a favorable start, I would stream him for that. Otherwise, until his role is more clearly defined and he's going to be starting regularly, I would just avoid uh, having him in your starting lineup. Um, but yeah, so I love Ashby, love his stuff. Needs to stop walking people. Um, and I can't wait until he actually has like a clear role. So, um, Schwebzy. 
I want you to talk about the hottest new thing in Minnesota that everyone's been just drooling over in his splinker. Is that what they're calling it? Yeah, the splinker, the the splitter sinker. Sure. Yes. Uh, Juan Duran. I I just I I have a feeling he's not going to be in the the realm where we can talk about him for very long. So I just need to bring him up now before he gets too hot for uh, in the deep. I there's not much to say. Like he's current, so he's currently a middle. Well, I'm sorry. There's there's plenty to say, but his role leaves a lot to be desired at the yes. moment. There is all the potential in the world for them to either turn him into, you know, an, an Aaron Ashby esque starter slash long reliever, or a closer, or a starter. Even he was a starter coming up. Yeah anything other than what they're currently doing which is not you know uh, like relatively low leverage spots and mm-hmm. uh you know an inning here two innings there if he ever gets a more defined role that like give provides any sort of fantasy value like it's just going to be such an incredible buy uh which means you should probably get him now if he's out there because it's just as soon as he gets any sort of role that's going to let him accumulate any sort of fantasy stats he's going to take off. Yeah, 100%. His his ERA is, you know, a little artificially high right now. Like just it, you know, fo- follow pitching ninja or pitcher list on Twitter or you'll you'll see some Joan Duran highlights and you'll see it. Like it all you need to do is see that the ridiculous sinker and splinker and you'll see it. Yeah, the stuff is fantastic. I mean, that's kind of like the three people that were t- like so like with Ashby, uh, Duran, and then uh, the next person that we're going to talk about. I'm not going to spoil it yet, but it's just folks that have really good stuff and just need a more clearly defined role to kind of determine what their value is fantasy wise, right? It's um, it's really the next two guys because you know Hicks too. Well, I mean Hicks is starting though. Like, In he, theory, he is more, uh, he is a starter now. Um, cause they're stretching him yeah. out and he's, I mean, he started, his last appearance was a start. Um, and, and that was the plan. All of these other guys, all three of these other guys are looking at jo- Jordan Hicks and going, I wish Lord, I see what I, I see what you've done for him. <laughs> I want that for me. <laughs> um, yeah. So but yes, uh, Spencer Strider. Yeah. Spencer Strider. Again, just kind of the similar thing. He is disgusting when he is on the mound. It's just a matter of like, is he going to get starts eventually or is he just going to continue to be like a long relief guy who comes in as like a fireman and just throws absolute gasoline? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I don't think that I want to necessarily roster him in a league unless I can get like holds in like a holds league. He'd probably be fantastic. Um, but I guess also leagues that have a like caper nine be something that I'd be yes. interested in as well. Um, but aside from that, um, I think that I'm stashing Strider if I have the room in deep, deep leagues. Uh, otherwise, I, I just don't know. I don't know if I see. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, Bless you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if I see a path to him necessarily getting a lot of opportunities in Atlanta aside from like a spot start here or there. So if he lines up for a spot start, sure, go for it. I would happily stream him against whoever he's matching up against but uh i just don't know if i see a clear path for him right now i i don't know why i had it in my head that spencer strider was like a six foot seven lefty 
Oh no, absolutely not. He's he's, he's not. He, he is a mustachioed <laughs> man who throws absolute fire. Yeah, he no, he's six foot even and a righty. I don't know why I had it in my head that he was this hulking lefty. I'm not sure who I was confusing him with, if I was confusing him with anyone. Spen- Just- Spencer Strider sounds like the name of a YA protagonist. Like a, like a sci-fi. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a, a protagonist in a, in a YA sci-fi novel. Like he was a character in Maze Runner? Yes, exactly. That is, <laughs> that is exactly where my head is at. Um, but yeah. No, I like Spencer Strader, yeah. though. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and then, like we were saying... Jordan Hicks is the evolved form of Ashby Duran and Strider who has the filthy, filthy stuff and now actually has a role. Yes. Because uh, St. Louis has decided that they are going to let him start now. There is a fantastic gift going around of, I think it was Joey Wendell taking a uh, fastball right down the middle and looking like he was about to try to get out of the way of it. He's so gross, man. Yeah. Uh, if Hicks has his slider working, then he has the strikeout potential there. Really, I think the question is how efficient can he be as a starter? Yeah. But there's no question about the stuff, and I am always willing to take a flyer on stuff that is this good. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the walks are a concern. Like, he's got, he's averaging, I mean, it's early, obviously, again, small sample size stuff. Over five walks per nine. Not great. Um, needs to di- needs to di- dial that back to truly be successful. Otherwise, he's gonna get people on base and then get babipped into oblivion, probably. Especially if that slider isn't working. Um, so there's definitely some uh, blow up risk here. But I think that Hicks again, like like we said with these other guys, the stuff is just gross. So uh, definitely worth streaming in certain situations for me. Um, I don't know if I trust him against everyone though. So we'll see. Um. Yeah, I think a patient team will will give him a hard time. Yes, 100%. Um, all right, Mitch Keller. He Speaking looked, of some control issues. Yeah, I mean, he looks good against the Brewers, much to my chagrin, but um, I think, I don't know, man. I feel like he's going to continue to get exposed by better offenses, and I think he's probably just worth a stream here and there as it stands. All right, so a couple things. His next start happens to also be against those Brewers. Uh, don't know. Don't tell for, me for that. For starters. Secondly, his his ERA is currently a 6.23, which is obviously not good. Yeah. But his expected ERA, and, you know, with, with the caveats that it's early season and these numbers are kind of wonky right now, his ex-ERA is at 2.79, mm. which is much more palatable. And his... Strikeout and walk percentages, which stabilize pretty quickly, are at nice numbers. He's at a 24.6 strikeout percentage and an 8.2 walk percentage. Like, that's really, that's not bad. That's about what Lauer is at. And I was just, I, you know, I just spent a while talking him up. True. Yeah. Um, I had to look at something and honestly, really quick with, like, with uh, Keller. And with Keller, like, again, this is bad analysis, and I acknowledge that. But if you go to his Savant page... It's all red, or o- o- almost all red, anyway. It's which you know g- generally is the sign of a uh, at at least a competent pitcher. Yes, um, I will say that like his X stats vary at least over the past couple of years. It looks like yeah, like even in like 2019, he only threw 48 innings, but like in 2021, X stats were still not great. 
um, but they were much lower or not. They were they were lower mm-hmm. than his actual ERA. Um, kind of the same story in his very short stint back in um, 2019, where he had 48 innings pitched. He had an ex ERA of 2.64 and then an ERA of 7.13. Yeah, so, I mean the the hope is that with his new new stuff, yeah, that we can kind of ignore those old numbers. Yeah, I, fingers I, crossed. I, that's what I want to believe. And again, yeah, that last start was pretty encouraging. So, uh, I, I, for, for your sake, maybe hopefully he doesn't, but, uh, for, for fantasy managers sakes, hopefully he does do what he did to the Brewers again. Oh no. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say this right out. Like if, if you're, if you have a starting pitcher that you think about streaming and they have a start against the Brewers, you should start them. Like it hurts. That hurts me. That that hurts me to say, but (laughs) Like, is, is Rowdy the only one with a pulse right now, really? I mean, not... Rowdy not, and Narvaez? I mean, Narvaez has been good when he's in. I like Rowdy, obviously. Yelich is getting on base still. Um, Kutch has hit the ball pretty hard a few different times and hit it, like, right at people. I think that he's going to be better as the year goes on. I think it's going to normalize a bit. Um, Colton Wong has been really underwhelming, which has been disappointing. Uh, the defense Adamas has still been too. pretty decent. Yeah, Adamas hasn't been what... People have hoped that he would be again super early in the season. That could change, but I mean, right now, Hunter Renfro is struggling too. Like, I would be fine streaming most pitchers against the Brewers, as much as that hurts me to say. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> so yeah, Mitch Keller against the Brewers again uh, this coming week. Definitely entertain that as a stream. Um, but yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, so why don't you do a? Sh- Sheldon, and then I'll do our little closer spiel and close us out. Cool, sounds good. All right, so Sheldon Noisy, this is just, he's someone that's playing every day on the Oakland A's quad A roster right now. Uh, he makes for a really nice warm body in AL only leagues. If you need like a sol- someone with a solid average floor, he's been hitting a lot of balls to the opposite field. I think like most of his hits so far this year have gone to the opposite field. Um, the added value stole here is today. he did. He stole the base today, which I don't know if it's, that's not, I don't think it's going to be like super common for him, but that's nice to have him chip that in. I think the most encouraging thing though, is that he has been hitting second for the past three days. Uh, that's, that's great. That's something that we want. Like we said, again, prime lineup spot, even if the lineup isn't that great, is still going to yield some decent benefit. So that's pretty much all I really have to say about noisy. I don't think it's going to be super interesting necessarily, but again, high average floor is there. Yep, pile up those counting stats. Yep, exactly. All right, uh, okay, Schwabs, let's close it out here. I, I I think it's hilarious that we thought we weren't going to go long, and yet here we are again, <laughs> eclipsing the hour mark in recording. Um, yeah, let's we go. are we are who we thought we were. <sighs> Goodness. Um, so I thought that Tyler Duffy would be the guy in Minnesota, but Emilio Pagan now has two straight saves, and he looks like the main guy. Uh. I mean that's that's really that's really all there is there. Like if if Pagan is the guy, then he's worth a pickup. And over in the other the, in the NL Central, Chris Stratton has now gotten a couple of saves in a row for Pittsburgh, which I hate because yes, I think David uh, God, I hate it so much. David Be- David Bednar is like a significantly better pitcher, I believe. But the Pirates are. They they keep on winding up in situations where like the 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 heart of the lineup that they're facing is coming up in the eighth, 
So they have the justification to keep using Bednar in those situations. But I do, I wonder if it's that or if it's just that Chris Stratton is their capital C closer. And I mean, we're only going to learn that for certain as more time goes by. But right now it appears that Stratton is the guy to pick up. Yeah, Stratton's probably the dude. Um, I So one thing that I didn't do that I kind of wish I would have done before we started recording is I did not look who they faced. Because uh, Bednar also did pitch tonight. And I'd be curious yep. to see if he pitched against the top of the order in an earlier inning or if it was just a like clear-cut roll type thing where Stratton was just getting the ninth regardless. Um, that's something that I should have looked at before that I did not that I'll probably look into after we're done here. But um, So Bed- Bednar faced Suzuki, Contreras, and Schwindel. That's, I mean... That's the heart of that lineup, three, four, five, probably, right? Yeah. And then Chris Stratton saw VR, uh, Alfonso Rivas, uh, Ian Happ, and Nico Horner, and then Nick Madrigal because he couldn't, you know, because he kept allowing hits. He, uh, Chris Stratton allowed four hard hits and got the save, uh, you know, Goodness. in very Chris Stratton fashion. Yeah, not great. God, I really wish they would just give, give Bednar that role, but yeah. Uh, it is what it is. So, but, yep, something yeah. to keep in mind moving forward. But uh, all right, I think that's all for honorable mentions. We, I yeah. think, spent more time and, on them than we did on our deep dives, <laughs> which is very, yeah. very and much us. I, I uh, one last time, I apologize to all of our listeners for my horrific voice. I'm hoping that my my dulcet tones return for next week. Fingers crossed. Drink some, drink some like a green tea with honey or something like that. Ooh, a little herbal tea. Get that in there. Get that voice fixed. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, once again, if you want to follow us on any of our social media, you can follow us at on Twitter at in the deep PL. You can follow Schwebzy at Schwebzy. That's S H W E B S I or myself at Bunt Singles. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.